Welcome to Northgate Bible Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast, where you can listen to our latest sermons, filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're outdoors, in the car, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Well, good morning. I would start by sending greetings from the Saints meeting at uh, Fellowship Bible Chapel in Fort Myers, Florida. Happy to be up here with you all, seeing everybody again and a few new faces. Great to see that. Anytime you want to come to Florida, come on down. We'll be happy to have you. And um, we don't wear masks quite as much as, as you all seem to do. But that's all right. That's okay. It's good. Uh, Ruth and I are up here for our 52nd high school reunion. We could have been here for our 50th, but that was two years ago, and we all know what that looked like. So uh, we had a real great time over in Cleveland with uh, Ruth's uh, class, and then last night I graduated from Olympia, so it was, it was fun. And I don't know how all those people got to look so old, but anyway. <laughs> Well, this morning, uh, the Lord has put it on my heart to um, uh, bring some thoughts this morning uh, on the theme of fear not. I, uh, there's been a lot of things these years, uh, these last couple of years, uh, that cause us to fear. Uh, there's been a lot of fear, and um, I don't need to list it. You all can think of your own examples of things that cause fear. When I uh, some a couple of years ago, I decided to start listing all the scriptures I found that had the phrase, fear not. And uh, there I had 43 on the list, and it was hardly exhaustive. I have much more to do. But, uh, and then as I was getting ready, I found two more. So there you go, we're up to 45. And if something is repeated, that means something, doesn't it? So fear not, fear not, fear not. But before we go any further, let's open in prayer. We're grateful to you, Lord God, for opportunity we have to think on your word. We pray for your leading by your Holy Spirit, not only to understand what your word is telling us, but then to apply it, to see how it fits in our lives, that your Holy Spirit would guide us and direct us into the truth that we have here, that we might live lives that bring glory and honor to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for this time praying in his precious and glorious name. Amen. Now, the first one that I found is in the book of Genesis. So go on back to the book of Genesis, and uh, we'll just look at uh, a few of these here. Genesis 50. We won't go over all 45. But the first one that I found is in Genesis 50 and uh, in verse 18. Now, context-wise, what's going on here is Joseph and his brothers have finally met again after all many years. And uh, Joseph, uh, uh, Jacob, their father, has died. And Joseph's brothers think, okay, well, now Joseph is going to have his opportunity to take uh, out on us what we did to him. And in verse 18, Genesis 50 and 18, his, brothers, his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. 
And Joseph saith, uh, said unto them, Fear not, fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Now, many have spoken about how Joseph is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was rejected by his family. He was sent away to a place where he didn't belong. And he was treated harshly. You'll remember, he was in prison. And then suddenly, he was released from prison and made the king of the land. Just like that, literally. But his brothers knew what they had done. They had sold him into slavery. They had sold him to the Egyptian, well, to the Amorites, who told, sold him to the Egyptians. And they knew what they had done to him. And now they were worried that uh, he would take vengeance. But like the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, all of mankind, even though we, you and I weren't standing there that day at Calvary, all of mankind was standing there saying, let him be crucified. If he be the Son of God, let him come down and we'll believe him. We treated him badly as a whole. And what does Joseph tell his brothers in verse 18, uh, verse 19? Fear not. Am I in the place of God? Well, of course, Jesus is God. But Joseph wasn't in that place. As for you, this, this is incredible, verse 20. As for you, ye thought evil against me. That was your plan. But look what God did. God meant it unto good. How do you like that? All that time that Joseph spent walking behind the camels going to Egypt, all that time he spent in the prisons, all that time that he spent, all the harsh things he endured, God meant it unto good. And we would sit on those situations and say, how can this be good? We we've all are enduring all kinds of things. We heard of prayer requests. I've got a prayer request for, list from our chapel that's about this long, and that's not everything. And for one thing, God knows about every single one of them. But for another, this is what this life is about. We are under a curse because of the sin of Adam and Eve. And because of that, there is death, and there is pain, and there is suffering. And that is a fact of life. Last night I met at the reunion a fellow I haven't seen in 50 years. We were Boy Scouts together, all kind of, And his father used to say, what are you worried about? There's no getting out of this life alive. And he put his finger on a real important truth. We've been uh, looking for Ruth's uh, relatives in the graveyards over in Cleveland. And uh, we found a lot of them, and it was interesting and fun, and she's developing a list for our next trip, which will probably be in 15 years or who knows. Uh, and um, I told the woman at the cemetery, it would be great if y'all would do this in alphabetical order. It would make it a lot easier. <laughs> But death is a common denominator. 150 years from now, there isn't anybody in this room that's going to be alive. 
but God's word says, fear not. Now, the last use I found, and again, you know, I'm, there could be more that I've missed, and uh, that's just fine, but Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. And if you find any and you want to send me an email and say, here, here's another one, send it along. I'll add it to my list. Revelation chapter 2, and this is the letter to the church in Smyrna. Starting in verse 8, unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works, and tribulation, and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews, and are, but are, are, I'm sorry, and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Fear none of those things that thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten, die, uh, ten days. Be thou faithful unto death. Lord Jesus Christ was faithful unto death, wasn't he? Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Fear none of those things. Tribulation, don't fear it. Death, don't fear it. So in the middle between those two, we have the book of Mark. So let's go to the book of Mark. And I just want to look at a few times in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ where people feared and see what we can learn from them. So the first is in Mark chapter 4. And I'll start reading in verse 35. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when, they had went, uh, when he, uh, they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? There's a question. Don't you care that we're dying? The Lord Jesus Christ? Of course he cares. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly kind of the other side of the coin. But they exceed, uh, feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So on one hand, we have the people that are fearing. And they're fearing why? Because Jesus calmed the sea. It makes me think of uh, the Apostle Paul. Two weeks on the Mediterranean Sea in a hurricane in a boat that wasn't very big at all. Two weeks with the wind blowing and the rain falling and the lightning crashing. Two weeks. And who was in control? How many of those people got off of that ship alive? Every last one. This is the one who has said to the storm here in Mark chapter 4, peace be still. I like to think that the Lord Jesus Christ didn't need to shriek to make that happen. 
I imagine that he said it just loud enough so that people knew what he said. He didn't have to holler at the top of his lungs. He could have said, peace, be still. And it would have happened. And it did happen. But the people feared, what kind of might is this? How is it he's able to do that? Who is this man? They feared. Now, uh, all these things happened to be an evidence of who Jesus was. It was a great evidence that he was able to calm that storm. Let me catch up with my notes here. Uh, I'm reminded of Psalm 46, and uh, you don't need to turn here, but uh, Psalm 46 is an interesting one. It goes alongside this a very thing. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed. Don't read it and read over it. Read it and think about it. Though the earth be removed, we will not fear. Though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Try and imagine that. Seen any flying mountains? The mountain is in the sea. We will not fear. What kind of events are these? They sound pretty, like, you know, pretty bad. We will not fear. Verse 3, though the waters of the sea roar and are troubled, and though the mountains shake with the swelling of it, we will not fear. Our Lord is in control of those things. Now, you know, Paul had to endure those two weeks on the Mediterranean. He endured the rain. He endured the wind. He endured the lightning. And it wasn't until the end of those two weeks when an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And what did he say? Fear not. Fear not. So what are the things that worry us? You know, earthquakes, hurricanes, we get, keep watching the news. Is, is it coming yet? Uh, hasn't happened yet, but I know it will. What are the things that we fear? Global warming? COVID? You know, it really is all under God's control. It really is. Under all, all under God's control. Really, honest to goodness, it is all under God's control. And we see it here in Mark chapter 4, the Lord Jesus Christ calmed the sea. Now let's continue to chapter 5. And uh, this is a longer piece, but we know the story, if we've been reading our Bibles, this is the story of the man uh, who was possessed by a thousand demons or maybe 2,000. So here we have that man. And it tells us in uh, verse 3, this man had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had, often, he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Try and cast that in your mind. Don't read over it. Stop and think about it. Here we have this man. They've tried to tame him. They got the best technology they knew how. They put chains on him and fetters. 
and all he did was snap. Because of the might of the demons that were in him. And all night and all day, he, you could hear him crying in the mountains. What, you know, what a terrifying thing it was for that people. They probably hoped that maybe he'd find another place to live. And so the Lord Jesus Christ comes along. In verse 6, Jesus saw, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice. And you can read it for yourself. But the man was healed of this affliction. In fact, we go to verse 13. Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000. 2,000. And were choked in the sea. And then when we come to verse 15, it says, They came, come to Jesus, the people came out of the city, and they saw him that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. What kind of a might, what kind of a power is it that can make this man better? They were afraid. So again, another testimony to what Jesus can, is able to control. He's able to control the seas. He is able to cast out demons. And then let's go to uh, chapter 5. And we're going to go to verse 25. Mark 5, 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that he had and was, uh, she had and was nothing bettered but grew, rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said... If I may touch but his clothes, I will be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said, Look at the crowd. What do you mean, who touched your clothes? Verse 33, The woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Now the scripture tells us she endured that affliction to her 12 years. And, and I might say, uh, I might bring it up again, we, we have a tendency, don't we? We pray about a matter, we want the Lord to bring healing, or we want the Lord to do, you name it. And it doesn't happen. This morning I had us in a... Uh, 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 the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus prayed, and he got no answer. He knew how to pray. And what we tend to do is we say, well, you know, I prayed about that and nothing happened, so it must be I'm not praying right. It must be I did something wrong. It must be, uh, on the worst end of it, God isn't hearing me. Some people do believe that. It's not true, of course. But you see, God has... His timing. God is a person. God has a plan. And this woman needed to be sick 12 years before Jesus healed her. That was God's plan. And we might look at that and say, well, that seems a little harsh and hard. But, you know, 
affliction and suffering and troubles and trials is what life is all about. And her affliction wasn't any worse than any other in the sense that, you know, she was getting some harsh treatment. No, she was that way so that that night, day she could touch his clothes and be healed. And he would find out about it. And he, she would tell everybody what had happened because Jesus had asked. And everybody knew this is God. He can do this. Now the reason the Lord Jesus Christ was on the road that day was because of verse 21. And when Jesus passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, well, verse 22, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him. And it turns out at the end of the story, we find out she was 12 years old. That's kind of interesting. So as they went, came this woman with the issue of blood. And Jesus stopped and took time with her. And uh, we found out about his great power to heal. And as that was ending, we come to verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Hmm. Well, what's he going to do about that? My daughter, uh, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Now, this is the first uh, uh, one of the ones on my list. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid. Only believe. So we have a case of, of fear. There's no doubt we can imagine it that this man, when he heard of his daughter's death, was just overwhelmed with grief. My daughter is dead. I did everything I could to bring her, to, uh, to keep her from dying. I went and talked to Jesus and asked him to come, and he did come with me. I've done everything I can. And Jesus said, don't fear, only believe. And we know by the end of the chapter that the girl was brought back to life. It was the Lord's intention to raise her from the dead. He didn't want to heal her. He wanted to raise her from the dead. Now that reminds us, doesn't it, of John chapter 11, where uh, Lazarus, your brother, uh, the, the Lazarus was dead, or he was very sick. And Jesus said, well, this isn't unto death. Um, and so he stayed where he was for a couple more days. Now, if you do the math on that story, you find out that Lazarus was put near dead anyway, and Jesus st stayed a couple more days. So that by the time he got to where Lazarus was, the sisters told him, well, he's been dead four days. Well, that was no problem for Jesus, was it? Roll away the stone. Lazarus, come forth. So this is why... Oh, I've got one more. Chapter 6. Chapter 6, and we'll look at verse uh, 45. 
And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, <coughs> excuse me, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. So there were the disciples out there in the middle of the lake. Here was Jesus up on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, so that was two, two in the morning or thereabouts, about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out, cried out for fear. If you get out on the middle of a boat at night, and you see somebody walking on the water, that, that'd be kind of sobering, wouldn't it? They cried out for fear. But look at what Jesus said. Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And again, you know, he didn't need to shriek. Just enough so they could hear. Be of good cheer. Be not afraid. Fear not. Now, it gives us a little more information about this situation that I think is useful, and we ought to look at it. So verse 51, and he, he went up unto them into the boat, uh, into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered, verse 52, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. So what was the cause of their fear? The cause of their fear was they forgot who all it was they were with. He had fed 5,000 people with loaves and a couple of fishes. He's fed 4,000 people on another time with a few loaves and a few fishes. The Lord Jesus Christ is God. They saw him do it, and they just didn't take it in. Has the Lord blessed you in any way? Have you been thankful for some blessing he's given you, some encouragement he's given you, some, uh, um, I don't know what, he's given you? And then along comes the next bump in the road, and what do you think? Oh, he forgot about me. Oh, what am I going to do? Fear not. Fear not. There's one other one I was thinking about, and uh, the Lord would have us, uh, have us look at this. Let's go back to 1 Samuel for a minute. For a minute. 1 Samuel chapter 12. 1 Samuel chapter 12, and again, for uh, context's sake, what's going on in this story, in this event, is the Israelites have asked Samuel for a king. They don't want the Lord to be their king anymore. They've looked at what's going on. Samuel has been a very uh, faithful prophet, and his two sons are not so much. And they've looked at this, and they said, well, we need a king. We've got to take matters into our hands here. We need a king. And so uh, they asked for a king. And the story goes on. You can read it for yourself. Enjoy it. It's an excellent story of uh, God's faithfulness. Uh, but uh, let's look at uh, verse 16. So they've asked for a king. 
And Samuel is talking to them now, and he says this, Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain, that ye may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking you a king. So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God, that we die not, for we have added unto all our sins this evil, to ask us a king. So they appealed to Samuel to pray for them. Because after all, they are saying, aren't they, at the end of verse 19, we're sinners. And not only we're sinners, but now look, we've done this further sin. We've asked for a king. We've rejected God. And look at verse 20. Samuel said unto the people, fear not. Now there's a word we need to hear when we realize our sin, isn't it? We think about our lives, perhaps today on the way here, we, who knows what, we think about what we even did today, and we say, we're sinners. And God is saying, fear not. Look what Samuel says further. Fear not, you have done all this wickedness. By, you are guilty. You have done those things. But don't turn aside from following the Lord. Fear not. Hold to him. Serve the Lord with all your heart. Fear not in sin. There's something for you. We all need to get that because we, you know, we get into that place. We've done something. We know we shouldn't have done it. We're, we, we ask for the Lord's forgiveness. And then we decide to carry it along with us for another two or three months before the next one comes along. Fear not. You've done this wickedness. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. I think uh, an, uh, an excellent New, Temp, uh, New Testament example of that is in the book of John. John 13. John chapter 13 and the very last verse in that chapter. Well, we'll go to verse 36. John 13, 36. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Look at that boldness, that strength. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down my, thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Now what we always do is we stop there. What's the very next verse? In my Father's house are many mansions. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. We put the big 14 there. It got put there, and that's okay. It helps us. But... Jesus started talking in verse 38, and he keeps talking into verse 1. You're going to sin against me, Peter. You're going to deny me. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. 
Now, this isn't license, of course, to go and do whatever you want with your life. We want to serve the Lord. We want to honor him. We want to glorify his name. But we know that we fall into sin. And what, in my mind, what Jesus is telling Peter is, you're going to sin against me in this way. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, Peter, that where I am, you may be also. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Now, interestingly, over in the book of Hebrews, we have a verse that I know we've all read if we've been reading our Bibles. I know we've all read it, and it really makes us stop and think. Hebrews chapter 5. So speaking of um, the Lord Jesus Christ, Hebrews uh, chapter 5, I'll start at verse 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. So the point being is he didn't make himself a high priest, God did. As he said, uh, uh, God the Father uh, did. Verse 6, as he saith also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Speaking of Jesus then, verse 7, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. There's an incredible mystery in here of the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. His faith in his Father, doing only what pleased his Father. And Hebrews later on tells us, without faith it is impossible to please God. He pleased his Father, he did what his Father wanted him to do, uh, there is no doubt the picture uh, in verse 7 is that of Gethsemane, crying in tears, going to his father. He learned obedience. That's staggering. And I can't give you a better answer except, well, there it is. Take it home and think on it for yourself. The Lord Jesus Christ suffered what he did for our sake, but also in obedience to his Father. And as we look, um, I like the uh, Philippians 2, you don't have to turn there, but let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who in the f being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, and so on and so on. And what is the first line? I read it. Let this mind be in you, as it was in him. What was his attitude? His attitude was, I'm going to obey my Father. I'm going to empty myself. I'm going to make myself of no reputation. I'm going to throw myself on him and live for him and learn obedience. And Paul is telling the Philippians, all y'all do that. I've been down south a little too long. All y'all do that. That's what you need to do. So there's a switch we need to find in our heads and start thinking that way. Fear not. Fear not. 
Fear not. Trust God. Serve Him. Hold to Him. Fear not. I wrote down Psalm 34, the last few verses in Psalm 34. Well, 15 verses in Psalm 34. And what we've seen so far as we've been looking at these things is we find in Mark that the Lord Jesus Christ has natural things under control. He can calm the sea. The Lord Jesus Christ has the unknown things under control. He can heal that man who is possessed by 2,000 demons that nobody else can do anything about. He has our illnesses under his control. That woman was ill for 12 years, but he healed her. He has death under his control. That little girl died at the age of 12, and the Lord Jesus Christ brought her back to life. And these are just a few examples. So what do we have to fear, really? We're going through some hard things, perhaps. <clears throat> I remember years ago, a brother spoke here, and he said, it's not that I'm afraid to die, it's how fast. We have things that we fear, but we ought not to. Trust God. Hold to him. Psalm 34, verse 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth them. By the way, who's the righteous? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He has made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. If we're in Christ, we're as righteous as God. Now that doesn't mean we're not sinners, we still sin, but we have the righteousness of God. So we can plug ourselves in here in verse 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto all them, unto them that are of a broken heart, and such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, don't we know that? But the Lord delivers them out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate, but the Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. So I was hoping to bring some encouragement to us this morning. There are a great many things I've stopped looking at the television because every time you turn it on, there's something else that you want to fear. Fear not. It's all under God's control. Global warming is not a problem for him. COVID is not a problem for him. We can trust him. We could get sick. I had COVID back in January, uh, not this year, but two, two years ago when it was real popular. I was sick for three weeks. Praise the Lord, he's given me health again. But it's all under his control. And what we need to do is believe him, trust him. No matter how big the problem looks, hold to him, look to him, lean on him. He said, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for these things. We pray, Lord, as we think on them, we know that there is so much that can cause us to fear. But we need not to fear. We must only trust in you. So we thank you that you are God. We thank you that you see and know all these things. We thank you that we can lean on you and hold to you.
And so may we do it starting today, trusting you more, no matter what thing it is that's bothering us, knowing that you are God. So we thank you and we pray all things in the name of our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.